Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, today we're coming to you from Denver, Colorado, where there's been a meeting this week of theologians, biblical scholars, a number of professional theology meetings that brought really several thousand people together. And uh, today I have the wonderful privilege of talking to two friends, both of whom are graduates of Beeson Divinity School, both of whom are editors involved with major publishers. So we're going to talk about writing, we're going to talk about what it means uh, to be uh, involved in this line of work. Some of you are interested in writing, and maybe you'll get some helpful hints as we talk with these two friends. They are Anna Mosley-Gizzing, who received a Master of Theological Studies degree from Beeson in 2003, and Dave Nelson, the following year, he got an MDiv from Beeson. Anna is Associate Editor at InterVarsity Press, and Dave is Senior Acquisitions Editor for Baker Academic and Brazos Press. Now, I have to make a confession of my sins. I have written for both of these publishers, and I have people who are mad at me at both of these publishing houses for not turning in my work on time. So let that be said. And if there is any absolution to be given, I am grateful to receive it. Anyway, Anna, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background at Beeson and kind of how you got into this line of work. Sure. I am originally from Mobile and went to college in North Carolina. After I graduated from college, I moved to Birmingham to work in local church ministry, especially in youth ministry. So while I was working in youth ministry, I started exploring seminary education and considered several different schools, but ended up wanting to stay in the Birmingham area. So I only ended up applying to Beeson. One of the things that was really attractive to me about Beeson was the interdenominational aspect of the school. So that seemed like a good fit for me, and I stayed in town. And after Beeson, I moved back to North Carolina to work in campus ministry with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So uh, my journey into editing was kind of long and complex, and I don't know if we want to do that now, but I um, was in campus ministry and then uh, started teaching theological research and writing for Gordon-Conwell students and really enjoyed that. So I thought, well, that might be an indicator that editing is in my future. And then a friend of mine hired me to do some freelance editing for a curriculum company. So I learned more and more about the different um, aspects of editing and really felt like it was a role that brought together several of my gifts, interests, strengths. So I moved into editing for InterVarsity, an online publication called The Well, um, a website for women in the academy and professions. And um, that made me realize that editing was the career trajectory that I thought God was calling me to. So when a position opened up at IVP, I applied to, to transition to book editing there. Now, while at Beeson, you met this wonderful fellow named Jeff Gissing, and somehow y'all got connected. Tell us about Jeff. Well, that's right. I have a Beeson love story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was Anna Mosley at Beeson, and um, I noticed Jeff in the computer lab at oh, Beeson. Yeah. He was talking with another student about theology, and I was trying to write a paper, which at that time you had to do in the computer lab. 
and um, I got drawn into the conversation. So that was when I noticed Jeff, and then we started dating as students at Beeson, I think, one day after a lecture, one of the the special lecture series, um, wow. he uh, asked me out. So, wow. yes, we have fond memories of Beeson, especially the computer lab and the bookstore, sure. places that have changed over the years, but that will be special, you know, that are special places in our heart. So, and God has blessed your marriage with two? Two children. Yes, children. so we got married yeah. the week after I graduated from Beeson. Jeff graduated the week, uh, the year before. And um, he has done campus ministry and pastoring and is now in marketing for IVP. And we have two children who are 8 and 10. And y'all are Presbyterians, right? We are. Jeff is a Presbyterian pastor. That's right. Oh, Dave, let's go to you. You also have a Beeson story. I do. And tell us about it. Sure. So I grew up in Birmingham and did my undergraduate studies at UAB in history and English through a personal time of prayer and devotion, started to sense a call to the ministry and uh, began looking at different seminaries, went around, visited a few places here and there. I had considered Beeson, but really hadn't looked too heavily into it. But then I met my now wife, Daisha. We met, um, I took a year to learn Greek at Southeastern Bible College before I went into the application process. And didn't learn any Greek, but met my wife there. So when we started dating and it became apparent that we were going to spend the rest of our lives together, Beeson seemed like the obvious choice because that way we wouldn't have to uproot or try. You know, we weren't quite ready at that point to get married, so we didn't want to do a long-distance relationship. But, boy, I'm I'm really grateful for my time there. I brag about Beeson all the time to folks, and uh, I think it's it's the uh, what Anna spoke to a moment ago, the interdenominational vision for evangelicalism that really fuels what Beeson is all about. It was so great to be there to meet other students who were going through the throes of training for ministry who were from different places, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Baptists, non-denominationals, Pentecostals, and so on and so forth. So it was a great experience. And uh, so, yeah, so then after uh, Beeson, I graduated in 2004. I immediately applied, uh, actually while I was at Beeson, applied to study with John Webster at the Mm -hmm. University of Aberdeen in Scotland. It was the only place I applied. I knew the moment I read the first first essay I read that he wrote was called Discovering Dogmatics, and I knew from that moment, it was love at first sight, as they say, I love at first read. I knew I was going to go study with John. We should tell our listeners who John Webster was, one of the great, he just passed away a few years ago, yeah. great, great theologian of our time. He was. He was uh, Anglican of a reformed sort, but he, he uh, wrote his dissertation with George Newlands at Cambridge on Eberhard Jungle. That was also the subject of my own dissertation. So I was uh, one of two of John's students who wrote on Eberhard Jungle, and we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, And then he was a fine interpreter of Karl Barth's theology, but then right around the turn of his second decade in teaching in theology, he really started looking at constructive dogmatics and and doing more constructive work, trying to unfold the system of dogmatic theology. And he was actually, so one of these funny stories that happens in our world, all those years, he was my doctoral supervisor, 
uh, trying to get me to write my, my darn dissertation. And then when I got to Baker, I became his editor and tried ah. to get him to write those manuscripts <laughs> that he owed us. So we Turn had about this, fair play. this fun reversal <laughs> of roles. But anyway, so after I graduated in 2011, um, uh, possibility opened up at another press, and Gerald Bray, professor at uh, Beeson, and a good friend uh, encouraged me to apply to that position, and I did. And then turned to, Baker opened up the next day, and I applied for Baker, and I've been doing it ever since. I've been there for seven years now. Now, Anna and Jeff are Presbyterians. You're Lutheran. Yeah, we all have things we're not proud of. So. <laughs> well, I'm proud of the fact that you are Lutheran uh, and that you, know, you enrich that tradition by your scholarship and your love for, for the church. Thank you. So that's wonderful. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the work both of you are engaged in doing, uh, and that is uh, how to write a book, how to get it published. What are the steps to take? If, if you're speaking, a lot of a lot of listeners to the podcast are want, are either writers or want to be writers. What would you say to people like that? Well, I'd say if you have a book idea, the first thing is to to do a little research and see what else has been written on that topic so that you know where the gaps are and where you might be able to speak into that, where a book needs to be written that doesn't already exist. Um, so that'd be kind of my first step. Mm-hmm. So get a lay of the land. Yeah. I usually, I've been going around for the last few years and doing these little publishing presentations, just little, for whatever it might be worth, little bits of wisdom from the publishing world. And the three things I always tell folks who are there listening to those presentations is know your publishers, so getting that lay of the land, know what's out there, know your yourself, know what kind of books you want and need to write for your career. Not everyone, as you know, Dean, not everyone has to write the same kinds of books. So knowing how your career, your trajectory of your own work will unfold. Now, I'm, of course, an academic theology publishing, so that's one particular kind of niche in there, but I think that wisdom uh, applies to all sorts of writing. And then also know your your project really mm-hmm. well and write a good proposal. Editors are weird people. We edit each other's emails. Uh, we're neurotic folks. We don't get out <laughs> in the sun that much. And if, if, when you send a proposal in, it needs the proposal needs to be written really well. We're ideas people in the publishing world, and we like to see really well-formulated book ideas. And I think one of the biggest early mistakes an author can do is to put together a crummy proposal. Let me ask you all a big question, kind of a general question. Books, are they on their way out? You know, we hear we live in a digital world. You know the line, we, we, a, lot of, a lot of reading we do comes from websites and all kinds of things. You both are fairly young, not beginners, but you're fairly young. And do you envision a time, what, 10, 20, 25 years from now, we won't need books and therefore we may not need you, editors of books? Is that even a question you can entertain? Well, I think we've been fearing that for many years and it has not proven to be the case thus far. We have more books coming out in the U.S. each year, more titles, new titles than ever before. That means somebody's buying them and reading them. Um, and people are still buying and right. reading books, um, even though, yes, readers spend a lot of time online. I think there's still an appreciation for a book and especially a hard copy, you know, a paper book where you can turn pages um, and take notes in the margin. There's some a different quality to that experience than reading online. And as we know, 
a lot of re time reading online affects our attention span. I think people are starting to notice and talk about that and wanting to get back to reading long form. Yeah. I think that's great, and I agree with, with that completely. I think that there's something about a book going from cover to cover and reading an argument that unfolds, especially in the world that we're in, theological publishing and biblical studies uh, publishing, you, you want to see ideas that unfold over a, a big space. And so far, the short-form publishing that's done online hasn't killed that yet. Mm -hmm. um, I worry, I guess, more intellectually about kind of thinking about it as, a, as an intellectual problem. I worry about what all of that short-form publishing and writing that is being encouraged these days, what that actually does to the minds who, of the authors who will be writing. Mm. So I worry a little bit about that. I worry uh, maybe not so much that there won't be a market for the books in the future, but that there will we, we may see we may see a decline in the ability people have to write. Mm. Um, I teach a little bit on the side, and some of the papers that I've seen that have come through are really, really bad from these are seminary students. And that worries me. That's an indication that you know there seems to be a decline in the ability to co communicate through the written the written word. So I worry a little bit about that. I always think one more thing, uh, you know, that we're doing fairly, we're, you know, we do have books that we publish at Baker Academic and Brazos that sell a lot of copies, and I'm sure you do at IVP as well, but we're not, we're not trying to reach the entire world with these books. We're, it's a relatively modest slice of the reading, you know, market, and I think that we'll always be able to find a few thousand people in classes here and there, reading theology, reading about scripture, who will buy these books. So I'm not, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that we'll not be rendered obsolete so quickly. You know, one of the things I like about this meeting we're at, which is a combination over a week, I guess, ETS, SBL, IBR, what have I left out? SBL, AAR, AAR. Uh, all these are, if you're not familiar, these is kind of the alphabet soup of, uh, of theological scholarship covering the, wa the waterfront. One of the things I like about it is walking through the display area where both of you have displays from Baker and from IVP and your new books or your projected books are there and you get to sometimes not only talk to editors as the two of you but also authors who happen to show up to see if their book's on display. I know somebody who did that uh, just today. But anyway, uh, I think that's a, uh, that's a great thing because there's a ferment of ideas here. You meet people. Why do we need a book on this? Sometimes I would have been utterly surprised that somebody wrote a book on that. But they did. So that's, that's a good thing about it this is. kind of gathering. Yeah. Absolutely. Going around, I enjoy just walking around the booths myself as someone in the industry looking to see what what you guys over at IVP are doing, what Erdman's is doing right now, and just seeing all of these yeah, these ideas that are finally on the written page. It's a good thing. Let me ask you both this question. What have been some of your favorite projects to work on so far? And when I say your projects, I mean you, you're editors, and so part of what you do is acquire projects, I guess, but then also shepherd them through the process. So uh, what are some of your favorites? And maybe you could talk about the process a little bit. Sure. Well, uh, briefly about the process first. So I'm an acquisitions editor at uh, Baker Academic and Brazos, and we do things just slightly differently from the way they, they do things at IVP. 
I basically uh, governed the process of writing from the idea in the head to the manuscript on the page. And once the manuscript is submitted, someone else actually takes it all the way through. They do cover copy. They do all of the copy editing and everything else. They're a project editor who shepherds uh, things through. So as an acquisitions editor only, what I do is meet with authors. There's a bit of talent scouting uh, that I do. I find, though, more than anything else, all of that stuff that I learned at Beeson about pastoring comes in handy. Mm. I pastor authors mm. Mm. Um, when my supervisor died. I thought a lot about what he did for those of us who were students, and I realized I'm doing the same thing, but to Hans Borsma and to Matt Levering and to Phil Ziegler and to Timothy George. So you are, in a way, someone who is under my care, and I'm shepherding you through the process of getting the manuscript ready. So my favorite so far, I mean, I enjoy the books that I've published with people who I've really enjoyed and loved working with. Matt Levering has become a dear, close friend of mine, and I love working with him. So all three, I've done four books. I've only been here for seven years, and I've published four of Matt Levering's monographs. Let's it's tell people impressive. who Matt is. I mean, sure. Uh, you, I, I can say I've known him in different contexts. One of the brightest, maybe the brightest, younger Catholic theologian working in North America today. He's brilliant. He is. He's been a joy to work with. Philip Ziegler, who was my internal examiner at Aberdeen, wrote a book for us on um, called Militant Grace on Apocalyptic Theology, and it was just a delight. He's a dear friend of mine, and working with him on that's been fun. Two that are coming out, and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop, but I'm, I'm excited. Next year, well, I'll tell you three. Next year, our theology list will be amazing. We have Tom Greggs, who's at Aberdeen. He's a Methodist theologian, is writing a three-volume ecclesiology, and volume one will be out next year, and it's unequivocally brilliant. It's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Grant McCaskill, who is also at Aberdeen, um, is writing a book uh, on Paul, and it's uh, on a topic that Grant's been doing work on for a while, on participation. But it's on participation in Paul written for pastors and, and readers at the church level in addition to students. It's a very good book. I just got that manuscript in. And uh, one I'm probably more excited about than any of those, even though those are great books. We do have a Webster book coming out, John Webster. It's a little uh, collection of essays that he published many years ago in a, a New Zealand journal. And the book is called The Culture of Theology, and it has a really great introduction by Ivor Davidson, who is an old friend of John's and a colleague at St. Andrews. So I'm really excited about those. Wonderful. Anna? Yeah, my job is a little bit of a combination of the the steps that Dave discussed. Um, As associate editor, I work in acquisitions, and I'm also a project editor, so I start talking to people about book ideas, and I work with them through the manuscript revision process on cover and cover copy and all the rest, but I do hand off for copy editing and proofreading. So I have only been at IVP for two years. There are very few books that I have both acquired and worked with, and they're also out Mm. already. But I have worked on lots of different projects um, that I didn't acquire. Uh, And a couple of my favorites are uh, a book that's just out Sharon Galgay Ketchum's Reciprocal Church. Mm. Um, she is at Gordon College and has written a book uh, that's on ecclesiology and specifically looking at how we think about 
the relationship of uh, between young people and everyone else mm. in the church mm. and the role that young people have to play in the church community. It's a beautiful book. Um, another one that was a lot of fun to work on has been out uh, a little while called Still Evangelical. All right. Uh, Mark Laberton, who is the president of Fuller, uh, edited this multi-contributor volume that has um, a lot of interesting leading thinkers talking about the word evangelical, the label, um, in light of the last couple of years of politics, how has the word changed, what is the history of the term, how might we use it profitably today. It was a really interesting book to work on, especially to work directly with all these yeah. leading contributors. And then um, a third favorite that's just come out recently is Paula Gooder's novel called Phoebe. We know very little about Phoebe Roman 16, from right? the scripture, but she has taken what we do know about the early church, the first century, and sculpted a fascinating mm. and very lovely novel about Phoebe with helpful note sections. You can read the whole thing without interruption in, as a novel, as a story. And then in the back, she has extremely helpful notes about where she got these ideas from and what's the scholarship to back it up. So um, the, the, the variety of the projects that I get to work on is really a thrill, and those three have been especially fun. That's great. Um, Dave, uh, you, you work in theological publishing, academic theology primarily. Uh, what needs to be written? You've, you've spoken about some great things that are being written or about to be published uh, by Baker, Brazos, but can you, you're talking to people now who are thinking, this is where I want to invest my life. What, what, what field should I go into? What needs, what does the church need? Well, you know, that's a great question. I wonder sometimes if, if a few years ago we seemed to be sort of stuck in an ongoing third article age, so <laughs> uh, topics you know, in the in, in the Apostles' Creed, for instance, the ecclesiology, eschatology, sacramental theology, and whatnot, they kind of all, you know, unfold under the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And I think there's a lot of good publishing that needs to be done, needs to be written, a lot of good theological work that needs to be undertaken in that particular set of, uh, of issues. That being said, I think what I'm seeing uh, of late is an interest in talking about God. Mm. It, isn't it interesting that theologians can go and do all sorts of things and talk about politics and 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 whatnot and not even talk about God? But we're actually seeing a lot of publishing going on. Kate Sonderegger has a book that was published with Fortress a couple of years ago, her first volume of her systematic theology, and it's just on God. And the brilliance of it is to read this whole 450-page volume one, and it really is a theologian just saying, can we talk about God and the divine attributes? So I think those two things, I think ever, the evergreen issue for what we're interested in as publishers and what I think is always needed is textbooks. That's a genre category that's a little clumsy, but a textbook is any book that is used for coursework, for training students. So to find good theologians who are also good writers, who are able to take complex ideas and distill them down and communicate them in a way that is clear and compelling so that students who are at places like Beeson, going through wrestling with these things for the sake of ministry, 
and whatever else they might be doing. Some, you know, decent students come out and become editors. But those formative years in the throes of theological education, the books that serve those communities, those are the books that we, we desperately still need. There's a lot of good, of good ones out there already, but we still need more and more. Yeah, that's helpful. Anna, recently IVP began a Read Women campaign. Uh, what's the story behind that, and what would you say regarding the state of women in publishing in general? Yes, um, that campaign came about when a couple of things uh, came together uh, to be the right time. IVP has always cared about publishing women, and our very first book we ever published was a Bible study by a woman. So it's been kind of one of our core values for almost 75 years. Um, but... One of our editors, Al Shi, who is a senior editor at IVP, did his doctoral work uh, in educational studies and did some research on reading and found that um, among the readers that he surveyed, uh, readers who are men read 90% men authors, and readers who are women read more like half and half, half men and half mm. women. Mm. And so um, he was wondering why that disparity and how can we help more people read women authors. So um, the, at the Festival of Faith and Writing in Grand Rapids in April, um, there was a seminar where several people, several authors got together to explore this idea. And it was there that we launched the Read Women campaign where we highlighted um, many of the authors that we have published in recent years and their books and encouraged people to connect with these authors and these books. So it's not a new value for us, but it's a, a good time for us to promote um, all of the women that we have as authors at IVP and all of the lovely books that they have published. Um, so that's how it came about. Um, and regarding the state of women in publishing, I think in academic publishing, especially where I'm working now, um, we still have a long ways to go to um, publish many more women. We are always looking for more women in the academy to, to publish, um, but especially in the theological academy, it's, there's nowhere near as many, men, as, as many women as men in the academy in faculty positions. And so um, I think we still have a long way to go. Uh, we are um, publishing women, um, but if you look at our catalog, you'll tell you can tell that it's still skewed. Um, so we're, we're still working on it. I think in, in trade publishing, um, I think that it's a lot more encouraging. Yeah. We have about half and half men and women authors. Who was that first woman author? Jane Hollingsworth, who um, worked on an inductive study of oh. Mark, and which has been a bedrock for university chapters yeah. still wow. today, working wow. an inductive study of Mark. So, yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. Both of you were such good students. I remember you both well as students, before and after Jeff, in your case, Anna. <laughs> and uh, Dave, you were in one or two of my classes, I remember. Both of you just were shining students. And now you've gone on to do wonderful things in the world of publishing and editing and providing uh, resources for the people of God. If you could look back on your experience at Beeson and your life now and speak to a prospective student just as they're entering or about to enter uh, in one or two sentences, what would you say? I would say if you have the opportunity to go to Beeson, please take advantage of the relationships there. I 
made lifelong friends during my time at Beeson, um, got to know the faculty really well. Um, so if you have the opportunity to really invest in relationships while you're there, the size of the school really provides an opportunity for close communities, so take advantage. Yeah, we heard this morning from Frank Thielman talk about those foundational values, the principles of Beeson Divinity School. We're, you know, no, no uh, uh, online education, no, we, we, you know, discouraging uh, students commuting from far away. Come and live and be a part of this community for those four years and learn and grow together with faculty and students alike. I think that's critical. I think so many schools these days at the graduate and undergraduate levels are changing their models to meet all of these different needs for modern people today. But to have a, an experience where you can go to a place like Beeson and be a part of a community like that for three or four years to get that degree, but to be a part of that community, it can be life-changing. And for me, yeah, I got a degree. That was great. I'm very grateful for the degree that was offered to me from Beeson Divinity School, but what was important to me were the relationships. My guests today on the Beeson Podcast have been Anna Mosley-Gissing and Dave Nelson. Both are graduates of Beeson Divinity School. They're both involved in the world of publishing. Anna as Associate Editor at InterVarsity Press and Dave as Senior Acquisitions Editor for Baker Academic and Brazos Press. Thank you both for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.